Welcome to chapter 10, our last day in this chapter. Day 5, we're going to look at verses 32 to 39 today. I want to begin by reading a few of those verses. Let me begin in verse 32 and read down through verse 34. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. The writer of Hebrews reminds us in these verses, reminds them and us both, remember when you first came to Christ. He's saying, remember the fresh and new expressions of faith that were there. You see, we grow in our faith as we follow Jesus. But sometimes the truth is our faith can grow stale. It is human nature to become used to and even bored with even the most exciting of things in life. What does it mean to come to Christ? It means you begin a relationship with him. And you do that through prayer. You Forgive me for the wrong things I've done. Show me how to live the right way you've made me to live. Some of you prayed that prayer a long time ago. You've been believers for a long time. Some of you have just recently stepped across the line. Those of you who just recently stepped across the line, you're in essence a brand new believer. You may have known about Christ for a long time. No one may have ever told you this before, but you're in essence a brand new believer because you just stepped across that line. Or you might be just on the verge of believing. You're just gonna step across the line even today, even tomorrow. These verses remind us, don't forget those days those choices you made, the hard choices you made about friendships, about letting things go as you came to know Christ. I know as a new believer, you feel like I've got a lot to learn. But one of the advantages new believers have is you know how much you've changed. You see it. After a few years go by in following Christ, it's easy to forget how much Jesus changes our lives. It's just human nature. The newness wears off. The first time you drive a car as a kid, It might be a little scary, but you feel really cool. Wow, look at me. But when you're 40, you don't drive down the road thinking, wow, does anybody see me driving? Of course not, unless you happen to have a new car. And then you think, does anybody see me? Because you've got something new. When you and I come to Jesus, he does a spiritual makeover on our lives. It's this wow moment because the difference that happens is amazing. And like those makeover shows on TV, when you see what was and now what is, it can be pretty dramatic. And the reminder here is remember the difference that Jesus makes in your life, from darkness to light, from hopelessness to eternal hope, from guilt to forgiveness. As a brand new believer, I can remember, I can still think back and remember the amazing sense of purpose that flooded into my life that I had not had before that. I wanted to do something significant with my life, but I had no sense of purpose in my life. A lot of people live there. And when I came to know Jesus, a sense of purpose flooded into my life. I didn't know all that that meant. I just knew that I had a purpose I didn't have before. And the writer of Hebrews reminds them that when they first came to know Jesus, they'd withstood persecution for their faith. And they were joyful in the midst of it. They could still have joy because their joy was not dependent on something that could be taken away, on their possessions. They had better and lasting possessions. It's amazing how easily we we can forget. So remind yourself right now of the difference that Jesus made in your life. It's one of the keys to living out God's vision for your life. One of the keys to living the kind of way that God wants you to live. How has he changed you? And based on that, based on that, then we come to verse 35, which says, So do not throw away your confidence, 
it will be richly rewarded. We all should have, because of what Jesus has done in our lives, confidence without conceit. We're not prideful, but because of his promises, we are confident. We have confidence in him. I I think about that old story of a pastor. He's praying in the church, sitting on the front pew, praying, oh Lord, I'm nothing before you. I'm a worm. I can't do anything right. The associate pastor of the church walks in and joins him in saying the same prayer. Lord, I'm nothing before you. I'm a worm. I can't do anything right. The custodian, the janitor of the church walks in. He sits down and prays the same prayer. I'm nothing before you. I can't do anything right. While he's praying at the associate pastor, whispers to the pastor, who does he think he is anyway? Who do you think you are? It's easy to look at ourselves and our sins and recognize the nothingness that we have before God. And that's true in one sense. But in Jesus, that's all been changed. Who are you? What's our confidence? You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a new creation. You can have confidence in who you are because it's who he has made you to be. And that kind of confidence, this verse says, it will be richly rewarded. How is it rewarded? Beginning in verse 36, we read some of that. Verse 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are of those who believe and are saved. Once again, for those who struggle with this idea of security and their salvation, he's assuring them in verse 39 that you're not of those who are going to shrink back. You are those who have believed. And so live out the belief that you have in your life. Note again that after the warning he gave us that we looked at yesterday, here comes this assurance for these people. Those who believe are saved. Those who believe are following him. Now, let me just note, just to serve an aside here, when we looked at the never fall into the hands of a living God, it's a fearful thing, and then this assurance that here, let me just note for you the struggle that many of us have with this. It, it was written by one of the people on our research team who said, I really struggle with those who say they're believers yet have no evidence of faith in their life whether they're really going to be saved and be in heaven. And there's really two reasons why we struggle with this truth. The first reason is a good one. The second reason is a bad one. First reason is we don't see any fruit in their lives, or you might even see this in your own life. You don't see any fruit of salvation. And the Bible says we should look for the fruit of salvation. Now, I can't judge someone's eternity. All I can do is see the fruit. And if there is no fruit of salvation, it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. I believe the scripture clearly teaches it means you never had it at all. Oh, you might have gone to church. You might have said the right words, but you never really trusted Christ. You were always trusting in what you did. So there's no fruit of salvation. That's one of the reasons that we see this in people's lives, that we struggle with this, what we see. And that's a good reason. And in that, we should encourage them, not judge, but encourage them to come to faith, to live a life of faith. A second reason that we struggle with this, this is the bad one, is that we somehow feel that once we come to Christ, one of the ways that we hold on to our faith, hold on to real faith, is by the things that we do after we become a Christian, after we become a follower of Jesus. We, we don't have a, a theology of works before we're saved. We don't think we do good works and that gets us to salvation. We have a theology of works after we're saved. We do good works and that's what helps us to hold on to salvation. And if I don't do those good works, I'm not holding on. Well, it's good works either way. Your good works cannot help you to hold on to salvation either before or after Jesus comes into your life. Once Jesus comes into your life, he holds on to you. 
And if you're trying to hold on to salvation, if you're trying to get evidence of salvation, not by the fruit of good works, and that means what God's directed you to do and you're living that out, the character changes that God's working in your life, not by the fruit of good works, but instead by your own good works. Wow, look at what I did. Wow, look at what I did. You can tell it by the sense of pride that you have about it. You can tell it's your own good works by the sense of judgmentalism you have towards others. If that's where you are, then that's a bad thing. That gets you into a place of guilt and not grace. Now, with that aside in mind, let's go on and talk about the hope that's here. We've talked about confidence without conceit that's based on the new thing that God's done in our lives through Jesus Christ, and that there's going to be a rich reward that's coming. And here in these verses we've just read, he tells us when it's coming. I love verse 37. It says, in just a, did you see the words? Very little while. I love that. You want to write on your hearts those words, very little while. Now, even if it's the rest of your life on planet Earth before Jesus comes again, it's a very little while compared to all of eternity. But any moment, he could come again. It's a very little while. Now, while we're on this planet, it doesn't seem to be a very little while. Our physical perspective is it's a long, long life on this world sometimes. It's a long day that I'm facing right now. It's a long season that I'm going through. But when you and I get to heaven, we're going to see how short it really was. And the perspective again and again and again in Scripture is to realize how short a time it is until Jesus is coming again. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, in a very little while, for just a short time. Again and again, we're told the promise is coming. It will not be long. So I can hold on to that promise. So don't throw away your confidence in him. It will be richly rewarded. Let's pray together. Jesus, we look forward to you coming again. We look forward to being with you in eternity. And we repeat these words in our heart right now, these words of hope. It's just a very little while. Soon and very soon, we're going to be with you. So help us to live in anticipation of that promise, not overwhelmed by the circumstances of this world, but instead, Lord, looking, focusing on the promise that you have for our lives here and all the way into eternity. We ask that this would happen in our lives today. We can only live this one day at a time. So help us to live it today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, do not miss next week. Next week is Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, one of the most faith-building chapters in all of Scripture. We'll see you next week for Hebrews chapter 11. (laughs) 